0: what is going on like fitness coaches welcome to another episode of the change lives make money online Trainer podcast in today's episode i'm joined by the one and only nick comadina what's up dog
1: what's up brother mr b mark how you doing
0: dude i'm doing good so here's a funny story nick and i have never actually had a conversation before ever <laughs> ever except <laughs> for instagram dms and you've been flirting on my photos
1: to be fair brian slid into my dms
0: first did i to be fair, but the only reason I slid into your camera, oh, you kept commenting on all my fucking photos. And I, I felt, on one. I felt like you were fucking like proceeding to make moves. And I felt like it was my responsibility to like open up the conversation because you were too afraid to ask.
1: Wow, what a gentleman. <laughs> That's my move. So I actually think you commented on my shroom post first. Did I? I think so.
0: No, now we're going to have to check after the podcast. We
1: are. We're going to have, we're going to have to have somebody go fact check this. We're going to yeah. have to scroll back. Anyways. Okay,
0: I'm fairly certain that it was you, but that's okay. So my podcast audience doesn't know who you are. And honestly, I don't fucking know who you are either. So I wanna start this conversation with you and I would love to get to know you. So who the fuck are you, where are you from, what do you do, like how did you get to be like cool and famous, what happened?
1: Yeah, so you and I have very similar backgrounds. I grew up in a trailer park in California. Mm. It was just me and my mom, single mom. Uh, We were super, super poor. We actually, it was $300 a month rent for the lot space. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like the trailer was paid for. it was like, you paid $300 a month to park it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was kind of our rent. I didn't really grow up with any sort of entrepreneur influence or business influence. Like my whole family is pretty much, Hey, you know, keep your head down, do your job, tire when you're 70, cool. do that thing. And I just, my whole life, I've always kind of been a challenger, you know, and I'm sure you can resonate with that. I kind of always have looked at things and kind of said, you know, I don't know why that is the way that everybody accepts it to be. Like, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be something different. There's no way this could be all that there is. And that gave me a lot of, I think over my life, I've learned to be a little bit more graceful in my pursuit of answers. I used to just be really rambunctious, asking a lot of questions and challenging a lot of status quos. And um, it was just a very immature, ungrounded approach to it. And I think that it was just unnecessary, but you know, we obviously learn as we grow through life. I opened up my own gym at mm-hmm. 21. So I ran that for about three and a half years and then started realizing that my reach could be a lot more impactful if I went online. Mm -hmm. So I went online and kind of, that was where I had to really make that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in this small town. I was kind of the most successful person in the friend group. And Mm -hmm. I was like, man, if I, if I don't get out of this town right now, like I'm going to stay in this town forever. And within 30 days, I made the decision to close the gym, sell all the equipment and move to downtown San Diego. So in the span of a week, my income went down about 70% and my living expenses doubled. And Mm -hmm. that was when it was like, yo, this is like back against the wall. I have no choice but to be successful or I'm homeless. You know, going back and living with my mom wasn't an option. And so I went as hard as I possibly could for that first year. And then going that hard became a habit. And after year one, I was able to buy myself the first house that I've ever even lived in. Wow. And that was, how old were you? I was 25. Yeah. And you know, I'll never forget the day my friend was the realtor and he handed me the keys and I sat down on the floor in the kitchen and just cried. I just couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't even know the life I live now existed when I was in that trailer park, it was like that, like, I couldn't even tell you what it felt like, or that it was possible to have a house in San Diego. I didn't even know that, what that meant. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was just a really, it's been a really beautiful journey up to this point. And then, you know, we scaled the fitness coaching company to just, just under, just shy of five mil a year. And then I went through a really, really toxic relationship and kind of lost everything quote unquote, lost myself in the relationship and therefore was building my business for all the wrong reasons, trying to give myself self-worth and validation and, you know, kind of like fill the holes in my heart of not feeling valued or respected as a man. And once that all, that identity kind of crumbled, I I couldn't unsee what I had built the business off of. Mm -hmm. So I decided to walk away from it. And that? that was the beginning of last year. Crazy. Yeah. That was when I had that really nasty breakup. And, you know, a lot of bullshit thrown around on social media and stuff. But I was like, you know, it's not this isn't my path to stay in drama. Like it's my path to put my head down, heal and figure out what I need to build next. And that's what I did, you know, and uh, we launched Impact Industries about nine months ago. And that's kind of been like mentoring people and and entrepreneurs. We have the mastermind now and all that. We've done about 2.5 mil in the last nine months, which is a record for me. That's the best I've ever done in a business. Cool. And it's just really cool to be able to see that happening, doing things the right way with the right energy and for the right reasons, and how much that, uh, how much business energetics really do make a difference in what you're building. So that's like, that's me,
0: you know? Yeah. I also like
1: Dragon Ball Z. So that's like, that's pretty much it.
0: Cool, bro. Do you mind if I ask some fucking? I want to go in. Get, dude, rip me apart. All right, cool. What's, uh, Talk to me about your dad, because you said you were raised by your just your mom. It was still yeah. so, so talk to you about your dad.
1: We can talk about this in a way that I've actually never publicly spoken about this specifically. Wow. Um, I'm gonna give it to you.
0: That's fucking. That's why we're here, bro. I'm, I'm gonna give it
1: to you. Yeah, I love it. Hopefully, it can help somebody. You know, I spent my whole life up until this year. Tw- I'm 29. I spent my whole life thinking that my dad didn't love me. Mm. always feeling like lesser of a man because I wasn't enough for my father to stick around. And I noticed that throughout my life, I would be very timid of other men. Like I almost automatically felt inferior to any other men, especially if they were any sort of military status because that's what my dad was. So there was this massive withdrawal. And then one of my exes, she actually cheated on me with a military guy. And it just really made that wound even deeper. Like, man, I'm just not enough. And when I was like really, really young, I had to create stories in my head to feel better about my dad not being around. Mm. So I would actually paint him as this awful person to anybody I talked to. You know, my Mm. dad's a, he's a piece of shit. He's done this. Like he told me all these things that I wasn't good enough because I didn't want to join the military. And so he left and like, it was just all, it was all lies, Mm. but it was because I didn't want people to think that my dad just left me because I wasn't good enough, you know? Mm. And I had to hear my mom pretty much all my childhood talk about how fucking shitty he was and Mm -hmm. how she would always talk about how, you know, he's fucking late on his child support. Like he's a piece of shit. He can't even, you know, support his family. Like that's what a man does. So then I developed this trauma in my head of, oh shit, like a man needs to be like all in on money in order to be of value to his people. So then any relationship I got into, I would just overwork myself to make more money and there would be a massive disconnect with my partners, they wouldn't feel love for me. And I was so confused. Um, You know, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm working nonstop to be able to provide any life that I could for you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize until about a year and a half ago that that was actually a massive trauma response from my childhood that was Mm -hmm. just embedded. But uh, yeah, I spent my whole life just thinking my dad was this low life piece of shit who couldn't get anything going and then I actually recently reconnected with my father this year and realized that pretty much every story my mom told me had actually been a lie. Wow. Um, yeah, I found out that there had been a restraining order from my mom on him. He was like, "Man, there was no reason you guys should have been living in that fucking trailer park. I told your mom I would pay anything and support you in any possible way and she would not let me near you." It was really dense. It was like, man, my, my whole life's literally been a lie. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, that was really something. And, you know, we, my father and I have started, you know, having an actual relationship and it's incredible. We're actually, we've talked a little bit about it, but I actually told him I wanted to come out here and sit him down on a podcast and have like a real relationship, raw and live like that, so that other people could kind of see that. Holy fuck. Yeah. So it's been a road.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. Of course.
0: I appreciate that. And, I feel like it's my responsibility to be and just mirror what you've given me. So I want to kind of share kind of my truth as well. Yeah, please. Yeah, my whole life, I felt like I didn't belong in my family. So this is the story of like, my mom had me when she was 17. And she never actually told anybody in her family. Like we lived in like this, like white Christian household. So at 17 years old, she was the oldest. She had three younger brothers and sisters. And so she never actually told anybody that she was pregnant with me because like, we weren't just the Christian family. Like we were the Christian family that all of the people in the church would come to our house for like meetings. Like that was our family. And so being pregnant at 17 and having no idea who the fucking dad was, was like hard. No. Yeah. That's hard. No. So she just like hid and just didn't tell anybody that she was pregnant. And one day she had to go to go to the doctor because she had stomach pains and the doctor comes out and he's like, Goes to my grandma and is like, "Well, like you can take her to the hospital a weekend." And my grandma's like, "What?" And the doctor's like, "She's in labor." And my grandma's like, "What the fuck?"
1: Whoa!
0: Right? Like, like what? So born into that family, and at 17 years old, like was it, it was like a premature pregnancy, or was it like she just was hiding it that well? That hiding was. it that well. It was Ow. like big jackets. Like my whole family, like nobody in the family knew that she was even pregnant. It was like big Holy
1: jackets, shit.
0: sweaters, like everything. And so that. My mom was 17 and at 17 years old, like I've, you know, I've worked with a lot through a lot of like internal feelings with how I feel about my mom and we don't have a super close relationship anymore, but I don't resent her. That being said, 17 years old, you don't really know who you are at 17. Never mind being able to like raise a kid. (laughs) So 17 years old, like uh, she was never around. And so I was raised by my, her younger brothers and sisters who are my aunties and uncles. My auntie Sharon's probably watching this and she's like, my mom, I love you. So my mom was just all over the place at 17 dating different guys you know, different stepdads, every time that there was like a new guy that would come around, I'd have to call him dad. She ended up getting pregnant again with my younger sister Alicia from a different guy, and then broke up with him. And then a couple years later, she got pregnant with another guy's kid. And then two years later, broke up with him. And then when I was like six years old, this had been my like third, fourth stepdad at this point, I like started to like look around at my brothers and sisters. And I like at six years old, I was like, why am I black? You know, I was ask my mom, I'm like, why am I black? Like, why are they white? People would ask me. I actually don't think I was aware of it until other people started asking me. They're like, why is your family white? I'm like, what do you fucking mean? You're like, huh. And then that's when I started like asking questions and I was like, why am I black? Like, what, like, what is going on here? And so around six, seven, eight, I remember just trying to dig for answers out of my mom about like, you know, where my dad was and like, why mm-hmm. I was black. And eventually she's like, he's dead. Like, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Your dad died in a car crash in Africa. He's dead. And I just, I remember feeling so much fucking anger. And I was just mm. like, fuck you. And I, I, even like at seven years old, I like legitimately like hated my mom because like.
1: So was that a true story or did she make that up?
0: It, I'll, I'll get to that.
1: Oh, so, okay.
0: so I like was like rambunctious. I hated it. I just can remember like feeling all this like intense, like hate towards her. Mm-hmm. And because of all the abuse and because of all the lies and because like I felt like I wasn't being told the truth. I just was—I was a piece of shit as a kid, honestly.
1: Yeah,
0: rambunctious. I was screaming. I rebelled. I like wouldn't call my stepdad dad. I refused. I was just like so over it. And so when I was eight years old, I remember my mom called my grandma, and I was like in the kitchen, and she literally in front of me. She's like, "If you don't come pick this kid up, I'm sending him to foster care. I can't fucking deal with him anymore. Like I'm done." Wow. And so I'm like eight years old, like literally watching my mom just like give me up, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's hard." So then she goes upstairs, packs all my shit into two garbage bags. And puts them by the front door. My grandma comes. She's like crying, picks me up and takes me back to her house. And so that was like my, that's what where it started for me. I don't think I've told it to this depth. I'm getting chills right now. That's where it started for me was that. And from like eight to like 13, like I had no idea who the fuck I was. I was like being raised by my grandma and I was just getting into shit. I was stealing. I was lying. I was like getting in trouble with the cops because I like had no masculine fucking direction.
1: Yeah, same. I was like 60 years old.
0: Right. Well, so he's like, he can't teach me how to be a man. So I'm just literally being a fucking idiot, just doing dumb shit. And at 13 years old, I ended up getting in trouble with the cops. And I went over to my auntie's house, who's again, like my mom, and her and my uncle literally sat me down and was like, "Grow the fuck up. Like, like, you can't be like this anymore. And they kind of took me in and from like 13 to 14, 15, 16, they basically raised me. Anyways, that's where the trailer park story started. So with my dad, I was under the impression that he was like legit dead. Right. I ended up getting into like bartending. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I played football for a little bit. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I ended up stumbling into a drug addiction with anybody on my podcast already knows that. So I'm not going to go too deep into that. Like I struggled with cocaine, almost lost my life. I came back, got into fitness coaching. And that was where I started like really, that was my entrepreneur journey around like 24, 25. It was like fitness coaching. Mm -hmm. So 26 years old, I get this Facebook DM and it was like, and it was from this like dark skinned dude, super handsome. Obviously look at me. And (laughs) it was like, uh, he was was like, hello, if your mom's name is Karen and your grandma's name is Joan and your auntie's name is Sharon, I have some news for you. And I literally opened up the fucking message. And I was like, I was like, that's my fucking dad.
1: Holy shit. Facebook
0: message request. It was my dad. This That's is the crazy, crazy part, bro. This is why I'm a big believer in like alignment in the universe. This is why I want yeah. to do a podcast with you. Because the crazy part is like, it took me like three days to message him back because I was like, what the fuck is going on? And when I messaged him back, I was like, how did you find me? This is crazy. So when I overcame my addiction, I started going to like elementary schools and junior high schools to talk about my story. Because I'm like, do? if I can help fucking yeah, kids get definitely. through it. I'm like, I want to help kids avoid the path that I went down so that they don't have to go into drugs to find out that it's fucking stupid. So I went to the school and I did the talk. And one of the girls that goes home shows her dad and her dad looks at me. And my auntie Sharon had sent him a photo of me. She ended up tracking him down when I was like 16, sent him a photo of me. My sister comes home, shows her dad like, this guy just spoke at my school. And then he's like, that's my fucking son.
1: Whoa. So he reaches out. I just got chills. That's fucking crazy.
0: Crazy. Crazy, wow. crazy. So wow. I couldn't. Oh uh, man, that's I amazing. Yeah, it was cool. I honestly couldn't talk to him for like three to six months.
1: Yeah.
0: I just like was shook. And I yeah, didn't, even, I didn't even open up the door until I was like, we need to get a DNA test. And once we mm. got a DNA test, I actually started talking to him. But same story. My mom told me he was dead. And that's why he wasn't around. And when I actually sat down. And then as soon as my mom found out that, I, that he found me, she started calling me, right? Started calling me. And, and when I talked to my dad, my dad didn't even know I existed until I was 17 years old. Wow. He didn't even know I existed. So my mom and him had an affair, like just like a short thing when they lived in Lethbridge, they moved to Calgary two months after they had, like the, my, my family moved to Calgary. So they never talked again. And my mom never even told them that I existed. So I oh, was wow. under the impression that he was fucking dead my whole life. And then I found out at 26 years old, like he's been alive the whole time. And, and he like lying to you. She was lying to me the whole fucking time. Wow, how
1: crazy similarities in our stories. That's actually fucking wild. I know.
0: When you said that, I was like, that's fucked up, bro.
1: That's wild. Look at us. You know, it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool to see that, like, a fact can affect two people completely differently, you know, because how many people can have, like, kind of an experience like us and, and end up being successful? Mm. You know, because I think a lot of times and that's what really intrigues me about humans and our perceptions mm. and the human experience is the right. same exact fact and the same exact event can have two completely different outcomes based off of how people choose to interpret that situation in the first place, you know, because mm. it's re- really easy for you to just throw your life away. I'm already a drug addict. My dad's already gone. Like, mm. what's the point of me cleaning myself up?
0: Yeah, I think that like, that's a good point. And I think that there's different I think that people can get to a place in their life where they hit some sort of rock bottom or some Mm -hmm. sort of realization where they're like, for me, like when I went through my drug addiction, the only thing that got me clean was my grandma, like loved me unconditionally. It was like
1: like my family,
0: like my family, like lost trust in me. I'd stolen from all my friends. I'd like cut all my relationships because I'd been stealing from all the bars that I was working at. And it was this one thing. It was like the fact, the only thing that I could hold on to that like made me change my life was the fact that my grandma saw this like unconditional, like she saw something in me that I didn't see myself. Yeah, And I literally, I was like, I cannot die or be a drug addict or go to jail knowing that like this woman has literally had really my back since yeah. I was fucking eight years old and I'm going to go out as a drug addict. Like that's the legacy that I'm going to leave for her. So I think that like, it always intrigues me too, because I'm like, when I talk about coming from a trailer park, what I think is like, and the reason I share my story so much online is like, if I can come from a trailer park, drug addict background to building mm-hmm. seven figure business, like I do believe that anybody has the capability of doing that. But I think that a lot of people choose not to look internally and do the work that is required in order to get to that level.
1: Well, that's that's not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that and like, here we go. Same fact, same situation, two completely different outcomes. Cause I spent arguably my entire entrepreneurial career not talking about my past. Mm. I spent my entire entrepreneur journey and I almost Maybe it was, you know, I look back at it now, maybe it was sort of an an ego attachment thing to it where it was, you know, I don't want to, maybe I didn't want pity or maybe I didn't want to kind of ride the the ride the rag to riches story to give me credibility. I don't know what it was, Mm. but I just know that I had this massive resistance to sharing my story when I first started and only people really close to me kind of knew where I came from and what I had done. And once I started just saying it, you know what, like kind of like you, man, I can like my rock bottom for me was my last relationship for sure. Mm -hmm. Like that was my rock bottom. And that was when I finally, it ended, it ended with me holding a gun to my head in our backyard. Holy fuck! Yeah. Like about to pull the trigger and call it God. Somebody was like, no, Mm -hmm. I heard, I heard an audible voice. I turned around and looked behind me and nobody was there. And it like snapped me out of it. Like, Holy shit, what the fuck was I about to do? And that was when I had this like realization of how many people actually pull that trigger. And then it was like, why, why was I right there? Like, why me? Why was I the one to like get snapped out of it? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've got to make sure that everything that I've gone through is worth it. And Mm -hmm. I can't think of how other how else to make it worth it by then to share it so that other people who are potentially going to go through that or are going through that know that there's a way out or know that there's a better way. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of people, like you said, they don't want to do the work or maybe they hold a lot of shame and guilt and identity around the things that they've done or the things that they've been and think that that's what makes them not worthy of success. And it's mm-hmm. actually the exact opposite. It's like you've gone through things that most people don't make it through. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Why are you still here if it's not for a fucking reason?
0: You know, it's powerful about that. But as soon as you said that, I was like, I I was thinking back to when I started sharing and when I started sharing, Nick, was when. After my drug addiction, because before my drug addiction, I think I chased the same status that you were chasing when you were like, I need to make more money to feel worthy as a man. Yep. I was chasing that same status with going after my fitness competitions. Mm. But I was like, I I, I I need to fucking be, I was like, this is back when WBFF was cool in Canada. I'm not going (laughs) to talk about that. Um, When WBFF was cool, I was like, I need to be a WBFF pro. And I felt like the, the reason I like needed it, I needed it so fucking bad. It was like, I needed that status mm-hmm. because I felt like I didn't, like, I felt like I had not, like, I felt like I wasn't enough. I felt like mm-hmm. me showing up just as Brian, as like who I am as a person wasn't enough. And so I needed to be a pro so fucking bad that I literally like it was like, it was an obsession, but it wasn't one of those obsessions that was like a healthy obsession. It was like, I was like obsessed with telling everyone that I needed to be a pro. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to be a pro. 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 And like, that was like my, my entire identity was that. There almost and-
1: becomes like an underlying search for people to validate that you can do it. i found oh. like when you overly oh. say that I'm going to be a pro and they go, yeah, you will. Yeah. And it ends up, it's like, that's what you're trying to get out of people when you overly mm. tell them, you know, I was like, that, that was a lot of things that I experienced for myself. Can you before. say that
0: again, that was powerful. I want to remember that.
1: Yeah. It's just telling people what you want to accomplish over and over so that you get the validity from them saying like, oh yeah, you can do that. Oh yeah. yeah. Like sure. You could be a pro. Of course you could be a pro.
0: Mm. And that's you, like your validation for your identity. It's funny because you're after that, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, this is what I realized afterwards. Every time I expressed that I was gonna be a pro and somebody patted me on the back for it, that validation felt good enough for me not actually to pursue it. Mm. Because I didn't need to pursue it. I just needed you to tell me that you think- You're
1: like, okay, cool, I can achieve it. So now I've got my status. Somebody already sees me as there and that's all I'm doing this for. I'm not doing it for myself.
0: Mm. So before that, before I fucking, basically I was going for my pro card, quote, quote, unquote. And this is funny because I attached so much of my identity to that fucking ideology- I'm like, this is what caused my addiction. It's because mm-hmm. I told everyone I was going to be a pro. bro. I flew across the world to Australia to, quote unquote, become a pro. I literally got 47th out of 48 athletes. Not 47. 47. I wasn't the last, but I was pretty fucking much. But the reason I got that is because I didn't do the work. Yeah. Right. Because I was fucking talking about it. And I was so embarrassed that I came home and I just did drugs for four months. Yeah. Right Escape And tell the story these Australian guys are jacked and fucking they're always shirts are always off and fucking, fucking
1: judges. Don't know what they're looking but for. You,
0: know they're with, bias, <laughs> like, you don't know what they're looking for. Right. Politics, they,
1: It's politics. I,
0: and I wasn't looking in the fucking mirror and being like, dude, the reason you failed is because you're a fucking dumbass and you just talked about it the whole time instead of actually doing it.
1: Yeah. But it,
0: it literally, exactly. took, bro, it took an ego death. Like I literally had to die because yeah. going through that and then becoming a drug addict and then Literally losing my identity, losing my sense of self, losing my self worth, losing my friends, my family. It literally took an ego death for me to realize. Like, I was like, I'm a fucking nobody. <laughs> but
1: it's just so crazy to see how you know. And I, I, don't think I do think that there was a point in time in my life where I was I was addicted to drugs, but just in a in a very unique way. I was like addicted to like almost killing myself with recreational use. Mm. Like, out it when I was in my last relationship, it was again, it was. And I don't want to just sit here and continuously say, like, that relationship was awful because there were so many good parts of that relationship, but the underlying things that were bad were like really fucking bad. Mm-hmm. And so we would all go to festivals. And I think that year we went to nine different festivals throughout the year. And dude, when I tell you, I was probably doing like seven to nine points of Molly per day mm-hmm. at a festival, plus ketamine, plus Coke, plus LSD, plus drinking. And it was like waking up feeling like shit, snorting a line of blow just to kind of wake yourself back up and then popping another pill. And just, it was just, it was like three day benders that I didn't even remember. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time there was another guy involved that was in our group. Then it was always just, and I, I would just take more drugs so I wouldn't think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, how fucked up could I possibly be to just like actually enjoy myself? And like, Mm -hmm. actually, not hate my life. So I started becoming like addicted to going to shows. Mm -hmm. And quite literally, by the end of that year, I don't think I had serotonin left in my body. You know, I was so depressed. I was so miserable. I was so lost. I had no idea who I was. And so I kept attaching my status to how much money I was making. I kept attaching my status to like, well, look at the supercar I just bought. You know, look Mm -hmm. at the big house I have. Look at how much money I just did in crypto. You know, and it was like all of these stupid fucking things that I thought were, I was hoping would give me the status, right? That like you were chasing with the pro. It's like somebody just fucking tell me that like, I'm a valuable man, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I just, I never got it because operating how we were operating, this is what I teach a lot of people is when you operate out of lack, no matter what produces from that, it's gonna give you more of lack. Whatever energetics you have when you're building are gonna be the energetics in the final product. So it's Mm -hmm. like the second you would've gotten that pro card, then it's Mm -hmm. like, well, it's not IFBB pro. So now I'm really not good enough. And then Mm. you would get your IFBB pro card and you go, I'm so embarrassed. I'm not competing at the Olympia. And then it just, it will just, there always will be a new thing because the ego wants to want, Mm. that's all it wants to do is keep wanting. So when we continuously operate from the space of I'm not enough, unless I have this, Mm. then once you have that, the ego goes, well, now I want something else to to give me. So we just keep chasing this pursuit, chasing to build this life that we go how many, I'm sure you get this with all the people who join your program. Well, once I get this amount of money, then I'll have the life that I want. And it's like, we keep this life that we want at arm distance the whole time you get, then it's 10 K then it's 20 K then it's 30 K then it's 40 K. And eventually 40 years goes by and you look back and you realize I've missed the entire point.
0: Just wanted to take a quick minute to say, I want to change your life. That's so crazy that you're saying this. I literally went through for a drive yesterday. And as I was going for a drive yesterday, I thought to myself, I was like, I'm going to start slowing down mm. and not slowing down is in like, I'm going to do less and I'm going to like, right. I'm going to be more up, present, but I'm going to be more present because this is fucking, how old are you?
1: 29,
0: 29. Okay. So this is coming, bro. Okay. Get ready. So <laughs> this got, here, youngster. I, I hired a TikTok mentor and I've got a mentor for everything. I got a TikTok on YouTube. On, I just TikTok.
1: hired a TikTok mentor
0: too. Oh, that's funny. Maybe he's a 19-year-old kid like mine. He's a little cockbag. Anyways, I love the guy. But I was on a call with him the other day and he's like, bro, he's like, the reason that your videos aren't hitting is because you're like an old dude trying to talk to a young gen. And it was like, boom. Damn. I was like, the fuck you just say? He's like, Damn. How old are you? I'm like 31. He's like, I'm 19, dog. I was like, yo. And it like actually hit me for the first time because up until this <laughs> point, right. I'm like fucking, I'm living my life. Bro, I still feel like I'm 22, dog. Yeah,
1: dude, the 30s yeah. are the new 20s. I don't care what anybody says. That's what I
0: think. That's, that's what, what I think. That's what I think. And then when he like fucking told me that I was old, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Dude? I was like, I literally told Daniel, I was like my brother. I was like, dude, I'm fucking.
1: It's like, like a midlife I'm crisis.
0: Up the hill, down the other side, <laughs> goddamn. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, dude, like that's that's a perception.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's
0: a perception, right? And I can choose to have a different perception. And the perception that I want to ha- like, Nick, when I die, I literally want to look back on my life and I want to be like, I lived to my maximum capacity. That's and I think that a lot of people, when they do is they'll like, and this is, I think the danger with associating yourself with just one identity is you're like, I'm the fucking businessman. And then mm-hmm. in the pursuit of your business, you neglect your family yep. or in the pursuit of your business, you neglect your health. So it's like, I want to live to my maximum capacity. And so my maximum capacity is like, I'm fucking crushing it in business because it's awesome and it's fun. My love life with my partner is amazing and I'm mm-hmm. loyal and I'm integral and I'm crushing into my fitness goals because that feels good when I'm in alignment and I like love the body that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the purpose of life is to like live it to the fullest capacity. Like why would you not live every single day and do the best you can to be the best that you could possibly be in all three areas and not just one. And when it comes to business, I do see this a lot in my mastermind and I'll have clients in my mastermind that'll come to my call. And I always do a perspective shift with them, but I'll have a client and they'll be like, it's the middle of the month. And a lot of my clients, so I'm going to roast you for a second. Right? Roast like, them. Middle of the month, you know, and I'm like, it's been really slow. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like how much have you made so far? They're like $15,000. I'm like, okay, cool. So 15,000, I'm like, I'm like 21 days in, I'm like 15,000 divided by 21. It's like $800 a day. I'm like, times that by 30 days. I'm like, okay, cool. So you're on track to make about 25,000, right? like, yeah. And then I like go look and then and I'm like, I Google and I'm like, top 10% income earners. Yeah. Oh, I love
1: doing that. Yeah.
0: And then I show them and it's 130K and they're on track to do 300. So I'm like, you're literally in the top 5% of income earners in the United States of America and you still feel like you're not good enough.
1: Yeah. I think it's just really giving people, I don't know if you do any sort of like trading with like charts or anything like that, or if you know anything about that, but there's a, that's fine. I mean, there's a principle around it that says, you know, when in doubt, zoom out. Because if Mm -hmm. you know how stocks go, if they're, you know, they do this or they go higher, they go low, right? Everybody knows that part at least. So if if you get super zoomed in on the chart and the thing and all you see is it go down like this super fast, you freak out. Holy crap, I lost everything. But then if you zoom out enough and you see that the actual, you know, stock has actually had a massive increase like this, now it's just this little thing down, you're like, ah, super normal. So when people go, man, I don't understand, like my business was doing so good last month. I have 50K last month, I'm only doing 20K this month. I'm like, well, what'd you do last year mm. at this point, right? what did yeah. you do last year from January to March? Yeah. Uh, 30,000. Okay. So you already have surpassed that, you know? <laughs> and then it's like chunk out further. What have you done the last three years cumulative in your business? What have yeah. you done the last 10 years cumulative in your business? Do you yeah. not think that it would make sense for you to have a bad month here and there? Like yeah, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah. that's just normal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. That's funny that you say that because when in doubt zoom out is you got like all these little cute catchphrases I'm fucking going to use for TikTok videos. All right. But that's cool because I, do, I take it. I'm going to credit it my idea. So guys, that's cool because I like, when it comes to, I'm not like a fucking expert investor in stocks, but I'm trying to put more and more money into it. Cause I'm not stupid and I should have some. And when I'm looking at my stocks, I always do that. So like, I'll look at like the day and then I'll look at the week and then I'll look at the month and then I'll look at the year and then I'll look at five years. And then I'm like, that's cool that you like labeled that. Cause I love that. I agree with that. When in doubt, zoom out. That's really cool. Yeah. This is the thing is like, I think that a lot of it comes like the reason that people get in scarcity and they get like attached to a number. And when it dips, they're like, I'm a piece of shit. And like my business is failing. I think the reason that happens is because most people lack the internal self-belief. It's like, mm-hmm. they lack the ability to, they lack the internal self-belief. And so for me, this is why I'm saying this. Cause like, when I have it like up and down, like PG Dom is doing amazing, but sometimes They're high and sometimes they're low. And I never stress about it because I know like my heart of hearts. My like core belief is that my success is inevitable. Mm. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It might not happen this month, this week. Like my goal in life is to be bigger than Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. And that might take me one year, two years, five years or 10 years. But I know that eventually it will happen. And that is like the core belief. And I think that a lot of people struggle when it goes up and down, because when it starts, like they're going up and everything's in a momentum and then they're doing amazing. And then as soon as it starts to go down, they're like, well, fuck, like, what if it crumbles?
1: Yeah, I do this thing, people where, you know, we have KPIs for business, right? Yeah. I also have people do KPIs for their own life. So mm-hmm. I think that like, kind of like what you said, I actually literally posted a reel about this today, talking about highs and lows in business and where our systems are what keep us grounded through the storms of life. So if I'm a completely different person, when my business is doing good. And I'm a completely different person when my business is doing bad. I'm never going to move forward because my external circumstances, whether business is good, I'm a great person, business is bad, I'm a poor person. I don't have the internal systems in myself that have said, this is my game plan, no matter what.
0: Mm. My
1: game plan changes based off of what's happening outside of me. And this is where people get into the paradox of, well, when it's the right time, then I can't do it right now. It's not the right time. Oh, I can't do it right now. I need to wait for this. Or right now I'm in debt. I need to wait until I get out of it before I do this. Or that. And I'm sure you get that in your program too. Oh yeah, it sounds good. I just need to get out of debt first. I'm like, the fact that you're in debt is the exact reason you should be. like, What's <laughs> what's a little bit more debt to get yourself out of debt forever? Are you fucking serious right now? I, like, dude, wait, I, I,
0: I literally have the same fucking conversation with people. I'm like, the fact that you have no money is exactly why the fuck you need to hire
1: me. Yeah, but, but so it. people... I call it, there's something that I've witnessed with people and I call it the three P's of disempowerment because people will give their power away to three different things. They'll give their power away to the pattern, the past and people. Mm. So the pattern that they're in, people love to give their power. That. You can look at this in a fitness client. Well, every time I go out, I always get drunk and I binge eat two pizzas. I can't lose weight. So all the power is on the pattern. I am not as powerful as the pattern. The Pattern runs my life. Okay? <laughs> then you have That's
0: an interesting idea. I love that.
1: Then you have yeah. the past. Well, I've been this way for 10 years. I just, I can't change it. It's, I've always been like this my whole life. I'm not going to change right now. My power is in the past to dictate my future. Yeah. And then you have people, well, my father never loved me and therefore I can't have a good relationship or therefore I can't be successful because I never got love. My parents mistreated me or my girlfriend broke up with me or whatever. So mm-hmm. people have an addiction with actually making themselves powerless. And then they stress about feeling powerless. So it's an interesting paradox in the human psych. And I do a lot of studying around the human psych and subconscious work. It like fucking fascinates me. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm
0: literally the same. I have a book I've been reading every single day for, it's the same book was written in 1913 about the subconscious mind. Sorry to cut you off.
1: No, it's, yeah. Send it my way.
0: It's called the Master Key System. And I literally, it's a 24-week long system. And every year for the last four years, for a week straight, I read the same chapter, ingrain the lesson. And then the next week, I read the same chapter for a week, ingrain
1: the mm. lesson. I'm
0: also obsessed with the subconscious mind. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. So just to, anyways, to, to kind of pull it back, and this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with identifying with money, like identifying with success or not success. It's like the second that you start creating from an identity, you feel it. And the way that you can describe this or feel this in yourself and anybody listening, if am I creating from a space of my heart or creating from my space of an identity? And if I'm creating from identity, I'll automatically have heightened nervous system response because now there's a story attached to it. If I do this, I'm awesome. If I don't, I'm a failure. That's me creating from my identity space. If I'm creating from my heart space of like my sole purpose, my creation is like, what can I put out into the world that I'm just going to absolutely love? And whoever it's for is going to just absolutely change their lives. You know, and like, there's just such a massive energetic difference when you're creating from identity versus creating from heart. Most people are trapped in identity Mm. and their identity becomes scarce. It becomes powerless. So what do we do? We create based off our identity and anything we create continues to reinforce our scarcity and that we're not good enough and that we can't make the investment. We can't make the change and then we never do. Mm.
0: So how do you shift?
1: Well, I think that a lot of times it comes down to, I have a, I actually have a six step process. We'll talk about it. Oh, dog, I'm here for it. I call it, it's how to be the 4.0 CEO of your life, straight A leadership. So I've worked with a lot of people personally on just trauma. And I've noticed there's a six step process that almost anybody can be in, like anybody's in one of these stages. And so it's awareness, acceptance, awakening, application, ascension, abundance. Mm -hmm. So those six things, and I actually think it's a cycle that people continuously go over every time in their life. So the awareness and the acceptance, they kind of can mash together, but this is where you kind of have to allow somebody to really look and be aware and accept kind of where they're at and what's actually doing. That. This is where a lot of the healing happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm always, and this is funny, I, it's like I can never get past $10,000 a month in my business. I only ever make $10,000 a month in my business. That's really interesting, isn't it? How you mm-hmm. only ever make that much money. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I had a client, I made 14,000 last month, but then I had a $4,000 bill. I'm like, man, that's crazy how by like the grace of God, no matter how much money you make out of 10 K, you just like find a way to use it. And then, so we actually did a hypnotherapy session with him and I took him back to when he first started his entrepreneur career. And you know what his number one goal was? 10 K. I just want to hit 10 K a month. I, I just, just yep. I and just. So his I subconscious just. said, cool, dude, I got you. Yeah, And what we don't do is we forget to treat our subconscious as a child and actually like, Hey, good job. Like we got here. Thank you. Here's the next thing I want you to do. Right? So because he had never actually approved of his subconscious, he had never actually actually stopped and been like, wow, I'm really proud of myself. You know, like I I got that 10 K like, that's amazing. Now what's next. Now it becomes like this shame and this guilt around, fuck, I can only make 10 K. So your little kid, (laughs) your little (laughs) kid's subconscious is like, trying to show you 10k over and over and over again. Cause it's like, isn't this what you told me you wanted? So I'm going to keep showing it to you until you actually tell me good job.
0: Whoa. That's fucking, I just fucked me in the head. You're welcome. That was very good. I so like that's,
1: that's stages one and two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Awareness and acceptance. Yeah. And that's that's when you start to like, and that can come from trauma that can come from all of these things. Once you start to let go and you heal and you accept everything that you've been through, we go into the awakening stage. And this is where like things that used to matter no longer matter, right? You're like, wow, I don't really want that anymore. Like, wow, I see the world so much differently. I'm, I have this fire inside of me to help people a very specific way. Like that's the awakening of the soul. Mm. When you let go of all the trauma and the stories and the ego, right? You, yeah. you finally like start to wake up. Yeah, and, yeah, this is, yeah. and that becomes really overwhelming for people. Yeah, really yeah. overwhelming. And that's when we go into the application phase where you kind of have to learn how to take everything that you're now seeing and like put it down on paper and alchemize a business around that to serve people in like your soul's mission. From there- I wanna
0: jump in for a second. And I think that the reason that it becomes so overwhelming is because the way that you used to think and your paradigm of the world is shattered.
1: Oh, it's gone. It's it's
0: It's literally like you no longer see the world in the same lens that you saw it through. And as a result, you're overwhelmed. You're like, confused you're like what the fuck like it's like you can't once you see it you can't unsee it
1: yeah it's like how do you how do you get somebody who has lived in scarcity for 25 years and all of a sudden they break into this brand new person who heals and sees the abundance that the world is you know because the world is abundant like there's no scarcity nobody's taking money from you nobody's taking clients from you like nobody's taking followers I know. But what happens is the unconscious mind, your body is so preconditioned. It's so addicted to that hit that this is where I tell people in the application phase that you're going to have withdrawals like to that lower self. And that's normal. But what most people do is the second they feel scarce again, they throw in the towel. They go, I thought I fucking beat this. I'm never going to get over this. I'm scarce again. Like this sucks. I'm never going to break free. Instead of just seeing it kind of like an emotional back and forth, right? Like I am the happiest I've ever been in my life. I still experience sadness.
0: Yeah, yeah 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 I'm
1: I'm the most abundant I've ever been. I still have my days where I feel scarce. Yeah. Like it's just it's part of the process of being a human and having yeah. an ego. Like we're always going to deal with it. So yeah. Yeah, and that's where we get to application. And then once you've really started to apply that new self and you, you really find your voice and you're talking about it and you're doing the things, well, Ascension, everything starts to happen really fucking fast. It like, spreads like wildfire. You're like, holy crap, clients are coming to me. Leads are coming to me. People are resonating with my story. They're actually like, I'm being vulnerable. They're being vulnerable back. I'm connecting like never before with my audience. Maybe your company culture is completely different now. And that's when we break into abundance. Right. Everything's flowing. Everything's fantastic. And this is where people fuck up because they think that that's just going to stay there forever. But then we got to go through a whole new phase. All right. Now, let me go back to awareness and acceptance. Now, what else do I need to change and fix for me to get to the next level? And then we just go through the whole process over and over and over again. Fire. Thanks. You got to continue to keep evolving. And like you said, you can't just be identified as like, this is what I do, because then it stops people's evolution. Because if I am only a fitness coach then I will never let myself evolve past that fitness coach person instead mm. of letting my offer and my business and how I serve people evolve as I evolve. And then my life is actually dedicated to the evolution of self and how I can help others do the same. Does nice. that make sense?
0: Yeah. How many stages is there? Do you say? Six. Six. I think there's a seventh.
1: Oh, hit me.
0: And I think it's before awareness.
1: It has to start with an A.
0: And it's, oh, fuck. Well, it's denial.
1: hmm yeah like valley of despair denial type of thing yeah denial.
0: because before you're aware you like the only reason you wouldn't be aware is because you're in denial
1: yeah 100% right
0: and I think chance. that denial will pull you out of this fucking space that you just spoke about.
1: I think there's actually multiple sides to that coin. It's a really, it's a really really good topic to bring up, actually. It doesn't fit in my A's, so it sucks. But <laughs> Bro, you're
0: systematic as fuck. I dig <laughs> it. <laughs> I dig it.
1: I'm If you got straight A's and you throw a D and you got a 3.8, and that doesn't sound as good as a 4.0. You know what I mean? Like, I can I, know, do I got it. you. I can't I got do you. that. I got you. All right. um, but yeah, there's definitely denial, but there's also like numbness you know, because a lot of people, you know, this with your drug addictions, I know this with my dabbling with drugs is people will make themselves numb. So they don't feel and then Mm -hmm. it's not even about denial, because they don't even know what there is to deny anymore. They're Mm -hmm. so detached from reality that they don't even know what to deny or accept. I've been there. So I get it.
0: That's interesting. That right there is why I'm so passionate about about what I do.
1: Yeah, same.
0: That is so passionate because I think that there's so many fucking people, bro, that like have such a massive, they, like, I believe that anybody has the potential to step into their power and become who the fuck they're meant to become. But I think that so many people spend, I, by the way, I'm re-listening to this podcast because I think that was so valuable that I'm going to take notes from that. And I want to find because There's a lot of fucking value there. So thank you for sharing that with my audience. I appreciate that. But I think there's so many people, bro, that never step into that. They never mm. step into awareness ever yeah. in their yeah. whole life. Like, I'll be honest, like one of the main driving factors for me, I talked about this openly on a podcast recently, because I feel like one of my main driving factors in life to help as many people as I possibly can is because I felt like I failed my family as a man because I wasn't able to help them. Mm. Like, I wasn't able to like lift them up. Like, I'm yeah. like, I'm like running away from the trailer park. I'm like, fucking come with me. And then like, nobody wants to come. Yeah. I'm like, how do you not want to come? I'm like, can you see what we're doing over here? It's fucking lit. I live. feel that, come man. I fuck. feel
1: that, right? that hit, that hit me hard. I mean, yeah, like my it's family fun. as well. It's yeah.
0: fun. Like I want to fucking bring you guys up with me. Like, let's fucking go. Like, let's all do this together. But the truth is like a lot of people, like this is why 95% of people struggle to make money. They struggle to fucking get fit. They struggle because they're all in this phase right here. And so like my main passion in life is I want to be able to take somebody from like denial to awareness Mm-hmm. And I know it doesn't fit in with your fucking A's. I was literally Googling acronyms for uh, <laughs> like, I A while you were talking. That's why I got sidetracked. I couldn't find one. That's okay. Like that to me would be like my main passion in life. Yeah. It's, like, I want to be the motherfucker that wakes people up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I think we both have very similar missions here, Brian. And I think that's really cool for us to connect and kind of talk like this for sure. Yeah. For anybody who's new on here, like this is mine and Brian's first conversation together ever. <laughs> I thought that'd
0: be the best way to meet. I'm like, I don't want to yeah. talk. I literally yeah. said to him in the DMs, I was like, I don't want to talk to you unless it's in front of an
1: Yeah, and I respect it I respect the transparency yeah dude there's another you know I, I think that this might be harder for some people to hear but I do think it's worth mentioning that there there really are just some people in this world that are meant to not be successful like there really are and I think you have to really understand what success looks like for you because if you're taking your description of success and like let's say people are like well you know Brian has his own gym, he has this $10 million, he has a Lamborghini, like that's success. Because Brian says it's success. And now I'm miserable, because I'm not successful like Brian. And it's like, it's really important to figure out what your own definition of success is. Because at the end of the day, like, dude, like we need fast food workers, like we need janitors, like we need these other people in society who do these other jobs. And like, if your success is like, hey, you know what, I understand my role, this is what I do and like, I'm happy with it, then that's fucking amazing. And I think that you should do that with all of your heart. Like I think if you're like, cool, I like being a janitor, you should be the best fucking janitor on the planet to provide for your family. I'm willing to bet that everybody watching this podcast isn't that person. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But if you don't step into your power, then you're going to stay over there.
0: Dude, and that that is the message that I like sharing is like, if you're listening to this podcast, you absolutely know for certain that there's something inside of you that was meant for more. Mariah, mm-hmm. that, that's your fucking thing. There's something inside of you that was meant for more.
1: I love Mariah. Shout out to Mariah. I know, <laughs> me
0: too. She's so stoked that we were talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh
0: my God. She's like, my two mentors are talking. She's, yeah, she's really, like, She is really cool. But there's something inside of you that, that was meant for more. And thankfully, I've been able to like achieve a level of success in my life that I'm satisfied with. And I'm obviously grateful and I want more. But like, My biggest fear in life would be dying, knowing that I didn't go after the thing that I wanted to do. Mm. That would be fucking, you imagine that getting hit by a bus and then you're on the hospital bed and you look back in your life and you're like, I literally worked at a job I hated my whole fucking life in a relationship I was unhappy with. Like that to me is like, like, it's worse than death. That's worse than death.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting you say that. I actually, it's like this subconscious panic that I have around that. But it's about like my ideas that I have, like just getting out there because I really believe that a lot, and I've seen this multiple times, like ideas and and breakthroughs that I've had that I was like, oh, I don't know if I should speak those. I see somebody else say it like three months later and they go like viral, blow up, have a massive business. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) And so I really believe that, you know, whoever you want to believe in the universe, God, whatever, I have a relationship with both. Mm -hmm. And I think that whatever's coming down into you, like idea wise, thought wise, breakthrough wise, like it's not actually your information. It's actually being put into you from somewhere else because you've been trusted to relay that out into the world. Mm. And if I don't act on that, if I don't surrender and become a portal to that information to just get out, then I'm I'm doing a disservice to God and the universe that's trying to use me for their will and then they're just going to pass that on to the next person who's willing to open for it. So like I like I'm, I've am i been writing a book and I've, dude, I'm not kidding. This year alone, I've done like 75 pages in it already because I am like frantic to just write it and get it out. Even if it's it fucking cool, if that's it flops, cool. it's like this panic of like, if I die, everything that I'm trying to get out dies with me. And that's mm-hmm. a massive fucking disservice to like what was instilled in me and who, whatever that message is and who it's supposed to help. Like they don't get that help from me anymore.
0: You know, it's funny. Is this your first book? Yeah. Bro, I'm going to the Dominican on March 6th. And I committed to writing a book while I'm there. Nice. And it's my first one. So it's funny that we're both fucking writing a book at the same
1: time. I'm going to the Dominican next month.
0: Are you? No. Listen, (laughs) but that's that's not what I wanted to connect on, though. Because when you were saying that, I share a very similar belief. And I believe that the universe searches for the channel for where it can provide the greatest good to the greatest amount of people. Mm. That's my, like, core belief. It's like like, the Bible. it's constantly seeking expression. Like the universe is constantly seeking expression. It's like, always, yes, Dude, you know, what's funny. I think people actually forget that like we're fucking nothing. No. Like we're literally a speck of dust. I'm serious, bro.
1: Yeah, no, I know. That's why we're I'm laughing.
0: Nothing. It's like, like, let's talk about zoom out. Okay, let's zoom out for like you are sitting in your room right now. listening to this podcast, zoom out a city block, but then zoom out to see your city, then zoom out to see the fucking province you live in. Then zoom out to see the country that you live in. Then zoom out and see the world that you live in. Mm. Then zoom out and see the fucking universe that we're in. You're going to have to to the door to if you keep, keep going. Fucking we're fucking nobodies, bro.
1: Yeah.
0: Literally nobodies. And so when you actually remember that, you remember who you are and mm. what you are. Like, if you look like, okay, so now let's zoom in, right? And we go like really close. Like you see a cup right here. This is a fucking cup, right? But if I go really, really close, there's just a bunch of little fucking, a bunch of little like particles, you know, particles yep. like particles, So that's what we are. We're just fucking particles. And so everybody's like, we're in scarcity. But like in reality, we're like a bunch of little particles that are moving together. And you can literally shift the universe just like Mm -hmm. that. And I also believe that if the universe or God or whatever, I also have a relationship with both. I'm like, I say both openly because I'm really connected. And I believe that if there's something that's in your mind right now, that the only reason that it was given to you is because you have the potential to achieve it.
1: Mm -hmm. How can you see a life that wasn't supposed to be yours?
0: I'm going to let that sit for
1: a second. You know, like really humor me when people have these dreams and thoughts of them like like you, you have this vision of yourself being, you know, a larger influence than Gary. How is it possible for you to see that if that life wasn't meant for you to have? Mm -hmm. Of course, that's the life for you or you wouldn't be able to visualize it. But most people talk themselves out of the visualization. Mm -hmm. Like see yourself, see your life in the future as a cat for the Queen Elizabeth. Like you can't. (laughs) <laughs> like you can't you know what i mean you can't do it it's impossible so if, that's I, funny, funny. if i'm seeing this life that i want for myself there's no way that i can see that if what the universe and god isn't saying like hey here's the vision that i've put in you to go build
0: yeah bro that is funny that's some funny shit <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> try to visualize that later do it let me know i will well also. be careful
1: be careful because the universe can shift
0: oh my god Dude, I uh, I think we should fucking wrap it up there. I think we yeah we're,
1: we're about an hour. Yeah,
0: yeah, guys, let's let's. Uh, everyone's like, don't do it, don't leave. Yeah. Um, oh no, my clients like, don't do it, Brian. We need you. That's funny, bro. Guys, let's uh, let's hear from the audience. I want to know how you guys feel about this. Dude, you uh, know
1: what we should have done? I probably should have just joined your live on Instagram.
0: Oh, that would have been smart, hey?
1: Friggin' idiots.
0: That's okay. This was fun, dude. We had a lot of fun. There's 28 people watching on my Instagram right now. Nice. What we got?
1: I got 16.
0: 16 and we got fucking 30 on facebook one of my clients uh do my brain is broken should we do a part two
1: i I feel like we should
0: do a part two and like yeah like let's do a part two i follow nick for a while by the way where do they find you bro
1: just nick Comodino on instagram how do i spell it you almost had it
0: well it It was actually worse than this before you got on
1: i know it was nico
0: i thought it was was nico
1: my instagram title literally says nick comadino and people still call i love when like companies reach out to me to work with me and they're like Email me and they go, Hey, Nico, we love your stuff. I'm like, Fuck you. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> you don't love my stuff. I'm yeah, I'm like, not, you I'm not I'm right
1: entertaining in. you at all. Yeah, yeah, it's Nick Comodina. So it's K O M O D I N A. Sorry, guys. You were close.
0: I'll I change that. So tag me and Nick at Comodina with a C on Instagram <laughs> and at the real Brian Mark and just take a screenshot of this podcast tag us let us know what you think guys make sure you guys go and follow my boy nick he is uh he's a good dude from what i can tell from this hour-long conversation of the first time we've ever met bro that was fun
1: yeah thanks guys all right guys peace out